top, talking to the big wigs in marketing and advertising. We want to flip the story and start at the bottom. In this podcast, we're talking to the brilliant creative minds who are shaping the future of our industry. We're talking to the junior mafia in Adland. Welcome to the Junior Mafia podcast. I am Dom Hickey. And I'm Jade Hickey. Today we're talking with one of my friends, Emma Breeslin. Emma studied law before jumping into advertising. She's worked as a producer, but her real passion lies in writing. Over the past few years, Emma has written for Broadsheet and Luxury Travel. She's currently a content producer at Cultivar, a company that specialises in premium homewares. Welcome, Emma. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, good to have you here today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to kick <laughs> off by asking you about the law degree. So you did a law degree and then jumped into advertising, which is probably a bit of an interesting choice, uh, and then have also sort of done writing and producing. Talk us a bit through the the journey. How did you go from law to advertising, producing, writing? Yeah, so that was a common question I got when I was at uni. Um, so I was doing a double degree, law and media. I purely chose that uh, degree because of my favourite subjects in Year 12. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do when I left school. And I think very early on in the law degree as well, I think it was my second year I worked out that I did not want to work in law at all. I'd done an internship through my media degree and knew that that was the field for me, but decided to continue with my law degree, which complexed a lot of people. (laughs) Uh, Perplexed, sorry. How long is a law degree? So a law degree, it took me six years to do. Yeah. Um, but the reason I kept doing it was because, for me, it was really straightforward. It Like, everyone has to deal with the law. Everyone has to understand the law. So no matter what degree or what career I wanted to go into, law was going to help me yeah. in some way or another. Um, there was the really logistical ways that I could read a contract. I was the only person in the room that ever liked actually reading the terms and conditions. Um, and little things like copyright law helped me. Um, but then the big thing about a law degree that I saw as beneficial was the writing. It's all writing. It's all reading, um, learning to write in really clear, simple, concise ways. Um, and that's, was what I was doing in my media you know, mm. career, and so yeah. I could just see it as beneficial. So I kept doing it. And it's a lot of problem-solving as well, right? A lot of problem-solving. Yeah, definitely a lot of problem-solving. I actually thought of my law degree as quite creative because when you were faced with a problem in the legal profession, there's never one right answer. There's yeah. always at least two ways to look at it, if not mm. more. So transfer that into the creative industry. I get given a creative problem and instantly my brain will come at it from more ways than one, mm. um, hopefully three or four or five different yeah. ways. But it's just the way that my brain had been trained was to always yeah. look at things from different perspectives, you know, look at it. Which is very good when a client is trying to get you to change things a hundred times. And yes. Like, good, I've got six more I've ways got, in. Yeah. It's fine. I've thought about <laughs> yes. Yes. This seems like from what you just said, writing is a bit of a passion of yours. When did you discover that writing was something that made you really excited and something that you were talented about? Surprisingly, only relatively recently. Um, my first memories of writing were whenever we went on holidays, my mum used to force my brother and I to write a diary and she just made us list something that we'd done that day. We just It was this sort of meditation at the end of the day, just writing down something that we remembered from the mm. day. And I guess I didn't realise what influence that had on me, but it's something that I've continued to do throughout my life. Um, in my first year of uni, the first time I went on a holiday without my mum, without my family, I started writing a blog mm. and 
in one way, it was to not have to call home every day because that was super lame. Um, <laughs> but also it was just this, I just liked documenting mm. what I was doing and documenting these stories. And um, yeah, I guess I didn't realise at uni at the time I was doing a lot of writing. And by that point, I was already sort of working in the creative field and I was doing a lot of writing. Um, I started in social media and it was writing captions. Um, but then as I progressed through my career, I was writing other content. Then when I started freelancing for Broadsheet, that was more editorial kind of content. And I just realized that all these different roles and titles that I'd had over the years, the one thing that was a common thread throughout them all was writing. Um, and that was really where my passion was. Mm, I love that. Uh, I, I love that idea of being made to write a diary at the end of the day. It feels like an amazing process. Do you still do you still have all those? I do, and they're amazing to read through. So I yeah. highly recommend any parents out there <laughs> force their kids to do it because, yeah, I remember absolutely kicking and screaming, not wanting to write these diaries, and yeah. they are so fun to read through yeah. now. Just what kids recall from a day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, and I think it also, like, I have a lot of friends that come to me in all different, uh, for all different reasons, wanting me to write stuff for them. And I think I really take for granted that writing is quite a natural skill to me. Yeah. And I think it is those sort of things that have helped sort of train me to know how to write. I've been mm. writing for so long um, that, yeah, I take for granted that other people can't do it. Yeah, as I easily think, as mm, I can. Being able to write with clarity is a yeah. real is a real art. And I also there's such a movement at the moment towards writing like the things that you're grateful for at the start oh, of the day. Absolutely. Or reflecting on the day at the mm, end of the day. So yeah. I, I sort of I think even just the art of putting that into practice is Yeah. Um, and it's much harder than I realise for other people to actually put thoughts and feelings and mm, stories and mm. whatever to, into words. So why do you think you didn't end up being a copywriter then? I think I I did work as a copywriter because I was in a small agency and so I sort of had many hats and yeah. I was doing a lot of copywriting. I think when I was balancing working as a copywriter with the more editorial writing with Broadsheet, that's when I I felt like my passion was more in storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I took that leap. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a yes man, and <laughs> I think that's how I've got through my career so far. Is I've jumped all over the place um, because I just say yes to new opportunities whenever they arise, and so I, you know, I'll never say no to going back into an agency yeah. and doing copywriting. It's just yeah. where I am at the moment. I mean, sticking on the topic of writing, I know last year was uh, pretty challenging for a lot of people, but you did land your dream job last year and it was quite short-lived because COVID had other other Hands, thoughts for yeah. that career path. Um, how how did that feel? Like, talk us through some of the ups and downs of that journey and being made redundant from something that you had such a passion about that you really wanted to do and how you sort of got back on track to where you are now. Yeah, so I I definitely won't say that I I didn't have a fair few weeks of feeling sorry for myself. Um, I did think that I'd landed my absolute dream role. Um, I was super proud of myself and then the world had other plans. Um, but I think the thing 
that I just kept reminding myself was how lucky I was, how I had such a freelanceable skill that I was really in quite a fortunate position compared to a lot of other people. I mean, purely being in Australia, I was in a really fortunate position. Um, And so that kind of ignited this fire and this drive in me that like I had to keep going and that I'd already achieved so much and there was no reason why I couldn't keep doing it. Um, And I guess because of where my career had taken me already, I had quite a variety. I could write in quite a variety of formats. Mm. So I was even luckier because I wrote social media captions for some people. I was writing website copy because there were an awful lot of people who were turning their hobbies into or their side hustles into like (laughs) actual things because they had all this spare time last year. Here we are with our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So if you need website copy. (laughs) Um, You know, I was doing campaigns for people. I was writing emails for people, writing blog posts for people. I was really, really fortunate with the skill that I had. And um, then I was even more fortunate to land an actual job, which I really wasn't expecting to happen last year Um, and was really happy about. I really actually, looking back on the first half of the year, it was hard. It was emotional um, because I did feel like I'd been wronged. Um, but, but I am really proud of my hustle and how I did pick myself up and it really made me understand or appreciate and value myself and what I can do. And I think it just armed me with this sort of passion and drive for like the work that I'm doing now. Mm. That's awesome. So any tips for anyone listening who is in a similar situation to where you were, how did you actually kind of how did you actually make your skills be transferable like was there a website or how did you yeah so I definitely I definitely spent a couple of weeks um talking to people who were working like friends that were still working in the industry that I wanted to get back into um asking them what sort of skills they look for um I did SEO courses online um just little things to try and tidy up my resume so that when I did start sending it out, it was super, super strong. Um, There was a Facebook page that was creative freelancing um, that people would put posts up saying they needed work done. And I just built a really strong sort of email that I'd send with bodies of work, examples Mm -hmm. of stuff that I'd done, my resume. Um, I did a lot and I sent them to a lot of people and I got really used to rejection and... um, but then the more that you did, the better your cell was. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just, I spent a lot of time just sitting hustling. And mm. so if you are in the same position, don't give up, um, you know, use it as an opportunity. Like I've come out of it with this massive body of work that I can say is completely all me. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was working at an agency, um, you've kind of worked in teams that have done a project, but you can't really, you know, particularly in the level that I was at, I definitely couldn't claim you've contributed a campaign. To it, but... I might have contributed somewhere along the way, but, like, it definitely wasn't, you know, so I was always a bit hesitant to put that sort of stuff on my resume because I didn't want to sort of over-exaggerate mm. my contribution. Whereas after last year I've come out 
with this resume of work that is completely and entirely mine, mm, which yeah. is, you know, it's so amazing. I think it's just flipping the mindset and seeing it as an opportunity, um, which is so much easier said than done. Um, yeah, I yeah. was going to ask about that, actually, because I think uh, once you come out the other side, you can look back and almost you retrofit s- the steps that you've taken to get there. But when you're in that position mentally, it's quite hard to keep yourself motivated to Absolutely. keep putting yourself out there yeah. and and trying to make a go of it. Have you got any any advice on that side of things? Um, be nice to yourself. I definitely gave myself days um, when all I did was a puzzle, and you know, and I and I did let myself feel upset, and I. You know, because I, as I said, that I was telling myself that I was really lucky to be where I was and and to be in the situation that I was, that it could have been much worse. Mm. I also was really mindful that a really sucky thing had happened and it was completely unfair and no one saw it coming and I was allowed to be upset about that. Um, And so I definitely gave myself days when I didn't get out of my pyjamas and I was just upset and... I let myself feel it. And, yeah, I think, you know, then you go for a walk and you clear your head and, yeah, as you say, sort of like stepping back from it, you get perspective and and then you sort of get the drive. But definitely be nice to yourself and that's where you find, yeah. Yeah, a way, a way forward. A way forward, yeah, because it is. Hindsight's a lovely thing to look yeah. at. Yeah. And you kind of forget. You know, you all the bad the stuff and oh, you just shit, sort of, yeah. yeah, you can look back and, and see the good stuff and you sort of, yeah, forget the shitty days. But, yeah, I definitely remember in the time. And you can ask my family and friends. <laughs> that was definitely not good days. Yeah. And there's a lot of people going through that situation at the moment. Yeah. And I think that was almost like a really nice, well, not a nice feeling. It was, this, I was quite uncomfortable and uneasy with it because you kind of felt good knowing that you weren't alone, yeah. that it wasn't something that would, you know, people would look at my resume and be like, well, yeah. what happened here? You know, it was kind of like you were part of this thing that so many people were in the same position as you, which I didn't want to feel good about so many people being in the yeah, same position, course. but at the same time. Yeah, there's no self-doubt about why it happened. Exactly. Yeah. You couldn't take it personally. Yeah. And you're now working as a content producer for Cultivar. Um, they are a, they do sort of luxury homeware and linens. Mm, beautiful us, products. Yeah, <laughs> give us a little bit of a rundown on who they are because we've had a lot of people uh, agency side yeah. here. So you're our first client, maybe our first client side guest. Client yeah, side, I think so. yeah. Yeah. yeah so Ooh. so <laughs> give, us, give us a little plug for who they are uh, and then we'd love to ask you some questions about what a content producer actually does. Yeah, so Cultivar is a beautiful brand, uh, Australian-owned uh, been around since 2012, uh, and we ex- uh, import beautiful textiles from all over the world, um, but mostly uh, linen, and that's what we're really known for, and that's what I have all over my bed and <laughs> would encourage everyone else to get all over their bed. If, if we get a that. discount, I'm if you sure. Get a discount, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what that's the real reason here. <laughs> yeah, linen sheets seem to be the most expensive thing in the world. But they like, last, and that's yeah. Oh, and they're selling an environmental. They're worth it. <laughs> they're worth it. So, what does a day in the life of a content producer brand side actually look like? Yes, a lot of my friends have asked me this question as well, and so have my parents. Um, content producer. It's funny. I've I was thinking about this the other day that 
when I was at school, never in a million years would I have thought I was going to grow up to be a content producer. I don't even know if that title was around then. Um, but basically, whether it's visual or written content, I sort of am in charge of overseeing it to ensure that our tone of voice, um, our visual identity, everything is cohesive. So whether it's a social media caption, whether it's um, campaign copy around a product launch, whether it's an email, whether it's a press release, um, whether it's a photo shoot for the latest campaign imagery, they're all things that I could be spending time in as uh, doing as a content producer mm, for Cultivar, yeah. which is really exciting because as someone who has had a career that's kind of jumped all over the place, um, I do find that I get a bit of FOMO. I sort of want to be involved in everything and as a content producer I really get to be involved in everything mm. um, and oversee a lot of different things. So I'm not, I'm not sitting in a room doing, you know, filling out the same form every day like I would be if I was a lawyer. I am doing so many different things, which just keeps me excited and fresh and creative. Mm. How, do you still write for, do you still write outside of work? Like I think there's always that fine balance when you start to work in something that you love doing that you either stop you you lose a bit of the love for it yeah. or you find a way to love the way that you're doing it in work. How do you balance writing for um, pleasure versus writing for work or have you found that you've fallen in love with writing for work? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. I um, Because I write for work, which is obviously in one tone of voice and very specific to sort of the different things that I do there, and then I freelance with broadsheet which is very editorial in writing um and then ever since my first holiday away uh in 2013 I've been writing this travel blog which is just my personal where in the world dot com um and I think you know, while when it started to gain traction and friends were coming up to me saying that they'd read it and friends of friends had come up to me saying they read it, I think there was a point in time when I was like, that's it, I'm going to make money out of this, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to travel the world and write on my blog, this is going to be great. Um, and as time went past and writing became more of a focus in my career, I definitely struggled with sitting down to write uh, for my personal blog because it did start to feel like work and I felt like I was falling into traps of like even the structure of how I was writing and I was putting so much pressure on myself. Um, and so a couple of years ago I really made the decision that I was never going to pursue it as a, you know, way of making money, that it was purely this sort of writing rule-free zone for me. Yeah. Um, and it was a creative place that, um, didn't have a tone of voice, didn't have a structure, mm. didn't have any rules um, and absolutely no pressure. And so that's the way that I've been able to continue doing it because if you go through and read the blogs, some of them are like listicles, some of them are stories, some of them have quotes, in, you know, mm. like they're just completely random. It's whatever I feel like writing, however I feel like writing at the time. And if I don't feel like writing it, you know, there's no time yeah, pressures because I'm constantly yeah. writing under time pressure, which is a whole different game as well. And so I've had to just completely lift all expectations to be able to make it a place where 
I'm just writing freely. And it's almost like a testing ground now because I can test out different ways of writing or different styles and structures to to sort of better my voice, which helps me writing in other, you know, places just without the rules. But, yeah, that's definitely been a fine balance and I've definitely written less for pleasure. And have you reinvented that? Obviously, we're not travelling as much as what we were. How have you reinvented your blog in the wake of COVID? Yeah, so I definitely did more articles than I realised um, obviously having a little bit more time up my sleeve uh, at the beginning of last year. Um, I had three friends who'd travelled back from overseas during COVID, like during proper lockdown and everything. Um, and so I wrote, I interviewed all three of them and wrote a little piece on um, what it was like to travel. And I just found like interesting outlets or mm places that I wanted to go or I found, you know, how there's all these weird words that can't be translated into English but have, like, amazing meanings. Sentiment, yeah. So there was one called Fernwa, which is, like, that excitement that you get when um, you're going to travel. Like, I you love know, that, that. Feeling. And so, like, I wrote this whole blog post about, like, the excitement that you get when... What language is that in? I believe it's German. Right. Um, mm. You can read the blog and find out. I will. <laughs> I write it down and I forget about it. Um, But, you know, I found fun ways of dreaming about travel because I didn't want to move it away from travel because that also sort of gave me breathing space with it that it's only when I go on a holiday do Mm. I write a blog post, whereas if it became like a lifestyle piece that I was, you know, sex in the city, writing down everything that happened to me, then it would just become far too frequent and Mm. too much pressure. So, I mean, already... It takes me weeks or not months after I come back from a holiday to finally get around to yeah. writing the articles. Yeah. So. Then it's nice to relive your holiday then, though. Oh, it is <laughs> the best place for when I'm having a down day to just literally go and scroll through all of my adventures for the last seven years um, all in one place. And I've made travel videos and so there's all sorts of different and photos and it's like the best place. And all my friends really loved yeah. If they've gone on a holiday with me, they really love reading it because yeah. it's like how I've remembered. Yeah. And, and they're in it and they're famous. Lovely. <laughs> Do you read other blogs? What are your favourite blogs? What are some blogs that you... I really don't read that many blogs, <laughs> to be completely real with you. And I'm actually really bad at reading and I think that's because I spend so much time writing um, that I, yeah... I just don't have the capacity, which is so bad. (laughs) My job is writing and I can't be bothered to read other people's writing. Um, But, yeah, I think there's definitely, like, I get quite overwhelmed with words. And and I guess going back to your previous question about writing for pleasure and, and for work, it is quite hard for me when I'm reading something to not think about it as work. And to just do it purely for pleasure, sometimes I'll be, like, reading something and I'll be like, oh, that's really nice. And mm. I'll want to write it down so that I can remember the structure of it or what about it, yeah. like, what about it I really liked so that I can transfer that for work. And so mm. it, all of a sudden it doesn't become fun. It becomes, like, writing notes that I'm yeah. then going to take into work the next day. So, um, yeah, that's probably something I need to get better at chilling out and... <laughs> reading. <laughs> I feel like none of us have an off switch, so you're talking to the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And unless you had any other questions, I might dive in with my favourite one. Yep, go Emma, for it. before we go, what's the best piece of advice you've been given in your career so far? So I cannot remember who told me this, which I feel really bad listening to your other podcasts and everyone has their mentor that's told them something. <laughs> I don't know who said this, but it's stuck with me. It's you can do it all, just not all at once. Oh, I love it. And I really like it because it sounds beautiful and I'm all about words that sound beautiful. But also I think for me, because I so often say yes to things and I get FOMO if I aren't involved and, you know, I want to freelance write with broadsheet on the side while I'm doing my full-time job, while I'm writing my personal blog and I often like overwhelm myself. I think for me it's so important to know that saying no doesn't mean that I can't do it. Mm-hmm you know, it just means probably not at the moment. And, yeah. I, and you know, burnout is such a real thing um, that, yeah, I think it's really good to remind myself that it's you can do it. A really lovely piece of advice. Just, yeah. Really you don't have it. to do it all at once. I, I yeah. think particularly what, at, at the moment when everyone is just, there's so many things to do and so yeah. much information coming our way. Yeah. That sort of balance of do it all but just time it not out. It's quite once, lovely, yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. That was a really good chat. Yeah, thanks for having it. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at juniormafiapodcast at gmail.com. Um, thanks very much. Thank you. Bye.